Welcome to TuneIn's In Conversation With podcast series, in which we invite Kenyan leaders and trailblazers to discuss their lives and work. Today's episode is part of our Introspection Wellness Vertical, featuring Nandi Kigode, an emotional intelligence professional and cultural strategist. Nandi's journey has taken her from private school in Karen to the US military to heroin addiction to building her own business back in Kenya. Nick Jackson, Inn's founder and CEO, grew up with Nandi and they sat down to catch up and learn more about Nandi's story. This podcast was accompanied by a stunning nude body paint photoshoot, which you can find at www.innairobi.com. This is the first of three segments. Find part two at www.innairobi.com forward slash tune in. This is Tune In by the In Network. I'm here today in conversation with Nandi Kagodi. Hi. Which I'm very excited about. Yay for Old us. Old friend from childhood. Woot woot. Um, Nandi is an emotional intelligence professional and a cultural strategist. Yes. Currently working and living in Nairobi. That's right. In our great capital. Um, yeah, we've known each other since we were kids. Yeah. I remember like rolling around in the mud, riding horses, you know, <laughs> those, those sides of Karen, <laughs> hanging out with... Uh, Lawrence and Briny. Yes. Um, yeah. Those white kids that we used to play with. Um, <laughs> um, and then we kind of lost touch. I mean, we went to different schools. So what, um, tell me a bit about, about, about your experience as a child in Nairobi. Like what? I mean, I, like you said, I lived in Karen. So um, I had an amazing childhood, actually. You know, it was leafy, leafy greens and... Um, you know, horses. we horses and we, you know, our parents threw us out of the house in the morning and told us not to come back until it got dark, you know, and it was safe. There weren't that many cars on the road. So, you know, we just take our dogs, go to the giraffe center, go to the nature walk and everything. We're just jungle kids, you know, yeah, yeah. and it was, um, it was amazing. And, uh, one thing that my parents always pushed was for me to be out in nature and be yeah. outdoors. So yeah, yeah. I would say that overall my childhood, you know, was spent in fantasy in fantasy worlds, which right. is where it ought to be, honestly. Yeah. I think you know, just um, in trees and in fantasies. Right, I mean, kids should have a childhood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And um, Karen provides that. I find like yeah, yeah, Karen yeah. allows that. Absolutely, like there's a lot of space to breathe, and uh, but it's also there's a complexity living in Karen, isn't there? Sure, right? like sure. there's a complexity when you, as a as a, you know, I'm a brown man. You're a black female yeah. living in a white world, yeah. essentially, going to schools like Banda. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that, 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 like the latent effects of that hit you a yeah. bit later in life when you're trying to actually. find yourself, right? Yeah. Trying to figure out who you are. Yes. You know, and where do you fit? Yeah. You know, because like the social conditioning at such a young age isn't, is irrelevant, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't matter that all your fr- all my friends were Mzungus. Right? Yeah. It, that d- didn't matter to me. But now, trying trying to figure out where I fit as a thirty five year old man in the context of being an Nairobian is complex. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, so I mean, the last time I kind of the last time we kind of checked in with each other, uh, you were very much equestrianing, horsing, jumping. Yeah, I was. I was. Enjoying. 
Um, doing just a lot of that, really. I spent so much time with my horses. I was so lucky that I had that as a way to keep myself, you know, occupied. And I learned a lot from working with horses. And um, yeah, it's really cultivated the, the woman that I am today. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's really cultivated the woman that I am today. So um, I did take a break from it, obviously, when I yeah, left yeah. Kenya. Um, but now I'm getting back into it in a big way and really trying to get on the international circuit and represent well, I mean, Kenya. You were, you were, I mean, at that time, you were, you know, professionally show jumping at quite high Quite, quite a high level. Yeah, so um, it wasn't professional, but I was jumping at a high level, and considering I was the only black girl that rode, it was um, it was really amazing that I managed to get to where I where I got to. You know, um, yeah. I worked I worked hard to get to those yeah. to the places that I did. And um, well, it can be an expensive sport. I mean, it can be. Ex- there are ways for us to, to make it more accessible, right? Yes, and that's what we're really working on right now is letting people know it's a, it's really an accessible sport for the middle class, upper middle class, obviously. Um, and, you know, we want people to understand that it's not just a Mzungu sport, you know? Right. I it's, mean, I, we, we, we were together at a, a, show, a, show, a show jumping event and there was a, 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 a wide diversity of jumpers, yeah. which was really nice to see. Yeah. You know, boys, girls, black white, brown. Yeah. Um, you, of several ages. I would say that now the horse culture in this country is really suffering. Yeah. It's really struggling. And the diversity, especially in the showing um, arena, is not necessarily as strong as it used to be. We uh-huh. really want to change that. And we really want to bring in Nairobi, Nairobians uh-huh. into this um, experience and make ourselves our own culture, our own equestrian culture that um, defines who we are as people. So how do we find out about horse culture? Like, let's, you know, let's say I want to get my, my kid, it, it's not offered as an extracurricular, it's, I don't have a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but, if I, you know, if my, kid, if my kid wanted to get involved in equestrian in some way or learn more about horses or spend time with horses as therapy, you know, my brother, my, my brother, um, is blind and has cerebral palsy and he ho- he rides a horse mm-hmm. and he adores it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's done wonders for him. So is, is there a, is there a central place? Is there a, an association of horses or like a, a horse? So- there's hack, right? There's the horse association of Kenya. Yes. Um, there are riding schools in Kitisuru and in Karen. Um, and I would say that to try and look these up, Probably websites is the easiest way, but horsing around, horsing in Kenya. Um, if you look it up on the on the internet, you'll be able to find some and sort of information called the Horse Association of Kenya. You'll be directed in the, you'll okay. be yeah, you'll and be pointed the, in the right direction. The, events, the the eventing is free. No, it's not. It's like, not. You have to be a member okay. of the HAK, so you pay a membership fee. No, but fee. to go watch. Oh yeah, it's yeah. free. It's free. So to like to to go watch, um, you know some incredible show jumpers mm-hmm. um, you know there's food there's beer yeah. it's a situation that it, it's a really it's a serious situation it's, it's a Kenyan situation that we need to exploit okay. a little bit more okay. yeah okay good as a community so, so, as a community so um, where, so let's move wait let's so post post Kenya show jumping where did you go because I haven't seen you for years <laughs> what happened uh, went to um, finished school in England and uh-huh. then uh, went to the U.S. military. Okay. I was in the U.S. military for four years. I went airborne 
Um, just jumping out of planes. Uh, As soon as I jumped out of the first plane, I realized that this was a terrible idea. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Well, I think we only got paid like an extra $164 a month for having your wings, but you went through three weeks of just physical assault. Um, And after basic training, it it was just, I was like, what's the point <laughs> of this but um you know at the end of the day I earned my wings and it was such a great accomplishment and um you know there aren't that many females that do right. manage to get that right. and so to I like that you keep putting on I, I like that you're like a female that keeps putting yourself into situations where like gender is relevant yeah. it's just Nandi you know right? no you, it's it's so important because it's, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a man. No. I'm not trying to do, um, I'm not trying to do things that men do, but I am, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to be a woman in situations where men are, Yeah, absolutely. you know, so that people don't say this isn't the place of a woman. It is the place of a woman, well, but I'm, my role in that, in that environment looks different than a man's, than a man's. And I'm, I don't, I believe that women can do the things that men do, but women don't need to do the things that men do the way men do it. Right. And that's the fundamental difference. Right. And I believe that when it comes to sex, when it comes to, um, you know, professional life, there is a reason why we have a man and a woman. And trans and all sorts. Well, that's what I'm saying is, is we show up in different ways, right? right? So I'm, I'm not saying that just because you're trans, that means that you are a man or you are a woman. What right. I'm saying is there's a reason why you have male characteristics or you have female characteristics, right. whatever shell that shows up in, right. it doesn't really matter. There's a space for you to utilize your you as a, you as a, a, a being. Yes. Well, because nature, nature abhors a vacuum, right. right? So let's say you have men and free, men and women, right? And then you have someone who's trans, yeah. right? Clearly nature felt that there was a reason there's, there's a vacuum and that vacuum needed to be filled, right? right? right. And clearly someone who is strictly male or strictly female couldn't feel that, fill that vacuum. Right. So nature created something that would. Right. And a, a massive diversity of things. That a would, massive diversity is, of things. Which is great. Yeah. Okay. This is a whole another conversation. That it we're is. Into. It so, is. So what happened after the military? Tell me. After the military, I actually left the military with a crippling drug addiction. And okay. I say crippling because it did exactly that. I was extremely handicapped, right? I was addicted to opioids. I was addicted. How did you get into that? I sort of stumbled into it. You know, um, I think, you know, in the party scene in Nairobi, yeah. you know, um, it was just a very casual, whether I was, you know, taking cocaine right. or drinking or something. Like it seemed like casual. It seemed like a normalized thing to do. Which, in, uh, which unfortunately, Nairobi seems to yes. have this normalization of like, oh, I'm going to go do a line of coke off the toilet seat. And it's like, that's not actually close to normal at all. It's not close to normal. And people base their ability to handle stressful situations. And this is the world over, really, is with some sort of, you know, physically numbing or altering substance, right? Right. So when I got to the military and people were snorting Percocet, um, you know, opiates, it seemed like a completely normal coping mechanism. And can I ask, is, like... Because of the intensity and the stress of the military, is that is that a coping mechanism? It certainly is. Okay. Not everybody 
not everybody uses it, but when you look at the American military and how it's built, a lot of the what makes up the regular army are people that come from low-income areas mm-hmm. and that people people that don't have access to to opportunity to scope, you know, right, like right, you right. and I you like you and I did. But my experience shows that that doesn't necessarily matter, right? But it does make you more prone to choose lackluster coping mechanisms because right. when you look at the communities of West Virginia or Georgia, there are very large communities that are heavily heavily dependent on pain medication and anti-anxiety because their environment perpetuates that. Right, well, I'm, well, not only that, but there's an industry that perpetuates that. Yeah, right? so, you know, even when you're being recruited in the military, the, you know, they're like, so what drugs are you taking? Okay, this is how long you need to be clean in order to pass the drug test in order to get into the military. And then they don't really, there's oh. no, there's no, yeah, there's no, I mean, there are drug tests, but there's no counseling or anything after that. Do you know what I mean? Because right. a recruiter's doing his job. He recruited you into the military clean. Right. Um, you do very, you do mental tests and everything, but it is the basic bare minimum. They need bodies, right? right? Yeah. And um, the infrastructure of the military as it stands, yes, there is um, mental health and all of these things which are accessible to soldiers. But when you look at the human element that's actually being recruited into this role, yeah. you're, you're almost set up for failure if you don't have the 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 foresight or the skills or the capabilities to be able to choose differently does that make sense 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah i mean like yeah that makes complete sense and i can see that mapping across so many different parts or verticals of society which Mm -hmm. is so unfortunate it's like what we need to be providing is tools Mm -hmm. that which is what you're now doing right you know tools that that allow for us to negate the use of you know something that's harmful to our bodies but instead a tool that enables us to be powerful within ourselves right yeah and you know i think drugs for the moment give you the illusion of power you know and in a world where i would say that powerlessness can seem more apparent than power than being powerful. Yeah. It's it's a seductive solution. Right. And right. there's so much escapism uh, escapism? Yes. Need it right escapism? now. Escapism? Escapism? Escapism. I think that's the right word. We have to escape. We are a stressed yes, society. A stressed we are, society. We are a stressed um you know what, am I, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, no, um, we're, you're right. We're a stressed society. Yeah. And the thing is, is somewhere along the line, taking care of your emotional body or your capability to deal with stress in a way Not even that stress, was... everything, right? Well, just everything. It just, it became second. It became not even secondary. It just was very, it's, it was just thrown to the back room, right. Right? right? And it's like, be a man or, you know, you know, women, be, if, if you're not, if you're not expressing your emotions, 
um, then you're a man, right? And right, if you're right, expressing right. your emotions, stop being like a woman or something. Right, exactly. And if you're a woman and you're expressing your emotions, then you're being unreasonable or right. something. And so we have this society that's completely balled up and fisted so tight, and then it's passed down from generation to generation to generation. And within right. these generations, our generation, the millennial generation, is like this explosion of generational pressure that is unapologetically it's almost like muscle memory yeah is unapologetically saying i need help right? right and you see this spike in suicides and you see this spike of people that feel trapped in depression and everything and when you actually look at it it's like all the signs are there there's nothing strange about the fact that we're erupting in this way as a society right. you know we we're just lucky to be the generation that's saying no more yeah. pay attention right you know and it's coming out through all all of our mediums coming right. out through the pores of society right and through conversations um, like this yeah exactly that concludes part one of three of TuneIn's in conversation with series with kenyan businesswoman nandi kagode an emotional intelligence professional and cultural strategist for part two and more exciting content head to www.innairobi.com forward slash tune in Thank you for listening. We give special thanks to Two Grapes Wine and Friends in Kilimani for hosting this discussion. This is Tune In by the In Network. Learn more at www.innairobi.com or on Instagram at the In Network NBO.